just going to start out by saying there's two human design questions that I wanted to answer so that the people who asked wouldn't have to wait until next week. So I'm going to like attach them to the end of the podcast. So if you want to check those out, just like and like not listen to the rest of the podcast, you could just scroll to the end for the human design questions at the end. But I didn't want to like put them in front of the podcast for the people who want to listen to the other content. Whatever. Okay. Bye. I love you. Hi, I'm P and this is my podcast. She codes with P, Gabby. Thank you. I am very excited. I was also very excited to find you. I just have to say, because I found your page because I put a call for, I was like, can people like recommend me more creators? Like, I just feel like I don't. And someone recommended you. And I was like, okay, because I don't see. And then you uh, interviewed Alejandra. And that's like the only other person that I felt that I was like, okay, she understands this kind of like existential conversation in a really specific way. And then yours was, I don't know, I'm just like excited to now be in your world and like follow you, I have to say. Because <laughs> yeah. it's just I a good thing. I, so this this is the intro now, everybody. This is the intro. <laughs> but when I found your content, specifically, of course, your memes are what I think how people usually find you. But I was like, whoa, whoa, someone is talking about this and like not being super lofty or yeah. like our way mm-hmm. and like in a completely different other galaxy field to me because I was just like I think a lot of people get kind of turned off by spirituality because a lot of the packaging that it comes in is very like removed from society mm-hmm. and when I found your content I was like oh you get it you can be in society <laughs> and not like in society that's and did this like I feel like there's something that I feel I found in your work Alejandra's work that I just like like I just don't see it a lot and like you said there's this lofty spirituality that's so it's like too committed to what it is mm-hmm. spirituality mm-hmm. itself like needs to be open-ended and almost like humorous I also yeah. really love your parallels to like video games, which is something I'm very interested in, but have no, like, <laughs> I don't have any like actual like life experience with, but I'm just like, there's a lot of, there's a lot of like juicy stuff there, but yeah. No, yeah. I totally- <laughs> yes. But you are an artist, a creator, a being your Instagram, it's Sai Spoon, if anyone wants to check it out, but tons of just really like, these potent snapshots of how powerful we are um you capture that and give that as an option to other people um in a way that i think is so is palatable the right word it's just very easy to consume your content and it it's very delicious it's very good fuel for my body so when i found it i was like ah, i feel great and i actually i wrote down your name because i decided this year that i feel like being an icon and i was like cool so i need to like there are people who are iconic that I enjoy. And I wrote down a list of names and your name was like at the top of the list. I was like, I enjoy the way that you are specifically an icon because it's not far. It's not like, you know, yeah. And so I'm super happy to have you on here. Thanks. So we have questions. Let's do it. Questions. From people really, really good questions. Um, We are, uh, we're matching right now. We're both wearing the we're both wearing uh, lavender tube tops we are we are being mirrors right now because we're in a mirror reality it's a mirror video game but yes so the first question i'm just gonna go with the i don't know sounds like a fun one to start with what do you think about death and reincarnation death and reincarnation Ooh, death and reincarnation i think (laughs) i think we take death too seriously like first of all that's my first instinct Um, I remember a while back, somebody asked me, like, whenever I think about death, I think about this specific moment where somebody asked me, they said, how do you rationalize a baby dying? (laughs) Like, they're like, how do you rationalize a child's death? And I was like, it's hard to hear, but the only reason a child's death is sad is because we say that it's sad. 
and we say that, you know, three years is a short life or earth is such a wonderful opportunity. And it's like, that's just what we're told, right? When in reality, I mean, that baby could have just been like a, <laughs> you know, a very expansive soul that was like, oh, I don't need this peace out. Right. <laughs> and then there's this whole, you know, and I think that's kind of how I view death. And I think it can be a little, um, some people can see that as kind of rude, but I just can't help but feel that way. Yeah. Um, I've also, the two times I've been around a dead body, um, it's very apparent that there's nothing there anymore. Mm -hmm. I one time had to put a dog down, a very elderly dog. It was very clear that the dog was no longer there once it was dead. Um, one of my grandparents, I was, you know, with her in the hospital when she passed and I was like, she's just not here anymore. <laughs> and it was so clear to me. So when I think about death, I, I think the only thing sad about it is like losing a friend, but death on a personal level for me or and on a more general level, it does not upset me. <laughs> um, and I also feel like so much of our life can be like our conditioning is a fear of death. Even sort of our obsession with beauty and aging is really just a reaction to a fear of death. Mm. Um, and I think so much, I think so much can come from like examining that. And then reincarnation, I believe, I believe in reincarnation, absolutely. I think I really love kind of like the Buddhist approach of reincarnation where they kind of say, like there's kind of this belief with karma and reincarnation that like, oh, in one life you're, um, a dog and then you die and you become a human and then you become a mosquito, you know, <laughs> but I think in reality, I think it can span over like lifetimes and eternities and can be so long term and it can also be very short term. And when I think about reincarnation, I think it's simply whatever you ener energy you left earth with, whatever energetic vibration you left earth with that sticks around, you know, energy never dies. It just turns into something else. So it's like your body decays, whatever. And that can really, I'm not even sure if it manifests into a, a unified being, you know, I don't know if energy scatters, I don't know, but I definitely reincarnation as more of a symbolic poetic metaphor for the fact that energy never dies and you are going to take on another life, whether that's in another realm scattered across a jungle, I have no clue, <laughs> but to me, it's just very much a very lovely metaphor and reminder that energy is real and souls are real, you know? Definitely. What about you? <laughs> That's amazing. Yes. So I agree. I think that we have a lot of conditioning around death. Someone even with Alejandra's podcast, someone emailed me very upset about the way that we talked about death because they're like, you okay. can't do that. And it's like, well, I can because I'm doing it. But it's I think that like when we're kids, when people like die in movies, mm -hmm. everyone's like, <gasps> this is the end. Like this is like. Yeah. the worst thing that could happen. And so I think that a lot of that conditioning is definitely in our subconscious. And I hope that we as beings rewire that sooner than later, because we give death a lot of power totally. when we try to avoid death. When like, there's been scenarios where like, there's one time I was on a plane and the plane felt like it was going to like drop out of the sky. Like the plane's shaking. Like there's people holding hands across the aisles. People are screaming legitimately on the plane. Had that you've had that like movie experience. Right, right. And I'm like, I was sitting there and I'm like, whoa, like I was scared for a second. And then all of a sudden I'm like, oh, we could die. Yeah. I hope it doesn't hurt. Like that's all like, I was just like, I don't want it to hurt. Yeah. I don't want it to be halfway either. I don't want to be like. Yeah, I'm like, no, you take me out. Like don't. Yeah do the whole like weird drawn out thing and just like done. But I was like listening to the screams and like seeing everyone hold each other. And I just started laughing and I probably looked really crazy on the plane, but I was just like, what is like, why are you screaming? Cause like not, not to judge them for screaming, but I'm like screaming <laughs> isn't going to do anything. To, yeah, like, it's, fly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but we didn't die, obviously. <laughs> and it was one of the most exhilarating moments of my life that like almost about to die feeling. But I think that the only reason why it was able to be exhilarating for me is because I don't give death that much power. It's like not the worst thing that can happen in my mm -hmm. opinion. Yeah. And then for reincarnation, I think of reincarnation possibly as respawning in a video game. So mm -hmm. in like certain games, when you die, it, you just get another chance to like start 
at the spot that you saved at or at like right before you died and then you just redo it. And I honestly feel like that's happened to me before with another death experience. I almost got in a car accident and the car like should have hit us. And it, it really like looked like it was going to hit us and somehow we veered out of the way, but I was laughing during that experience. Mm-hmm. Again, I think I have this thing where I death and laughing anyway, but like it was this weird, like skip in time almost where I was just like, we were supposed to die. Like I know we were supposed to die. I, and, but I think I did. And I respawned is what it feels like. And so I, that's what my theory is on death is that we respawn when we die. Yeah. I love that term respawn spawn. (laughs) Okay. Also death and laughter. Okay. Thank you (laughs) for saying that because I have the same thing. I laugh. I've had to um, hide a laugh for an entire funeral. Um, Mm. I laughed. Actually, we all laughed when we put down that dog. It was a dog in a house of like five people that we like found and like tried to rehabilitate. And there was like four of us surrounding this dog and like petting it while putting it down. And then it like died. And then in its um, in its last breath, um, the vet told us this could happen. Like they have one last like muscle release. It just like let out a big sigh and it like rumbled through the dog's mouth. And we all just were crying. And then we all broke out laughing so hard. And then we were like, are we psycho? Like, is this okay? And I just want to say, I really resent <laughs> how laughter has been branded as like something that you only do in response to a joke or when something's mm-hmm. funny. When it's literally a response to so many things, like oh discomfort, like just like just a general like like death is so like it's funny because it's like what the fuck are you you know and yet right the only thing that's keeping us from being able to sort of like laugh and 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 be like you know is just people being like oh you think this is funny like this is disrespectful you know but then I think some rules are necessary I mean it is not polite to <laughs> laugh through death I guess. But. <laughs> But I feel that. I, I just love when I hear someone say that. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, it doesn't mean that like, let's say someone in my life dies. It doesn't mean that I'm not going to be sad because like, oh, I can't hold. Like I, I had a friend move and she's probably moving to another country and I held her. And I feel like that's probably what like death might feel like um, because I don't know when I'm going to hold her again. Right. And that's kind of like my maybe sadness around death is like, I don't know when I'm going to hold that person. And yeah. I've like processed in my mind, everyone in my family's death, which I recommend for people. Like if you feel like the emotional state to be able to handle that, I like emotionally, like I imagined and like put my myself in the timeline where they die and then I'm like okay but like you won't die when they die so like I need to do that that's actually a great idea because I could cry if I think about my parents dying yeah <laughs> I think I need to get above that <laughs> <laughs> and, and I don't I don't know if I've like fully transcended it but like I don't want to avoid I, I get nervous when I like avoid certain thoughts mm-hmm. or certain things happening because then that means that I feel like that, that I think that that event has power over me if I try to avoid seeing it. Very true. Yeah. And it's funny to think like with death, I do have this very detached perspective. And I know that even, you know, when my parents pass, if, you know, any of my good friends pass before me, that I will have both. Like I'll have that detached perspective and I'll have just the insane yeah. grief yeah. and that the process will just be really just trying to like get to that other side fully, you know? Yeah. yeah. Interesting. Um, yeah. And I, I, I am working on, I'm questioning this theory of like us only leaving when we're, when we want to leave, which I know that like saying that makes people very uncomfortable because they're like, why would anyone? I know it's but, no it's weird. That's a really, no, I think about that too. Like, do you decide, yeah. you know, I'm pretty it's, sure my grandpa decided like it, it felt like he decided, I don't know, but I don't know. I would like to know, but we can't really know because after people die, we can't really interview them unless <laughs> I know in their medium. But then I also am like, is a medium talking or cool. So next question, because you said something about attachment and this should, you know, segue. How do you practice non-attachment in relationships while also being committed? Mm. You know, for me, I really think it took experience where I have genuinely been in deep love twice. I was one of those people that had a high school three-year boyfriend that went out of high school, thought he was the one. Um, we broke, uh, I broke up with him and immediately found someone else was with them for almost five years. And that was a much better relationship. And they ended up surprise dumping me and I was so crushed. And I just feel like after those two experiences, like losing the first soulmate who was like, I was also aware of how young I was. And then the second person who really felt like a soulmate and being like, that was kind of, I just decided, I decided to be attached to an idea of a soulmate, the idea of everlasting love, whatever. 
And that's the only thing I'm mourning is just the loss of my idea, right? And with those experiences, I felt like it was so freeing. And I wrote this tweet once that was like, let your soulmate leave (laughs) because you'll be so free after that. And now I just feel so, you know, now I'm 26. So that happened. And since then, my dating has just been so wonderful. And now I'm with someone new, like I'm in a committed relationship again. And I was just able to approach it in such a healthy way where I'm aware of what could happen. You know, I could fall out of love and break up with them. They could fall out of love and break up with me all of a sudden. And I think that's what it takes. Just like you said, preparing for death, like imagining the scenario. I feel like it's the same thing where it's like, I've had the worst of it. Like I've had the bad scenario and now I can just sort of pick and choose and be like, but I do enjoy committed relationships. I do enjoy being in the realm of love. I love indulging. I'm a very indulgent person. And so, yeah, I haven't lost faith in that because I'm no longer attached to, you know, a soulmate really, you know what I mean? Or the idea that there's only one. So now I'm like, I'm with this person, I'm so into them, I'm having so much fun, but the concept of them, you know, (laughs) leaving me all of a sudden or cheating on me or doing something bad, whatever, doesn't scare me at all because of that detachment that came from those experience of experiences of it already happening, you know, and also the power that comes from processing such, you know, shitty situations and being like, well, I got through it, you know, so that really works for me. And I don't know if I could have simulated it without this very symbolic, like actual real memories of like that pain that I went through. But, you know, I think detachment and indulgence, being able to do both is something that I think is the key to life. And so I try to practice it everywhere, especially in relationships where it's like, yeah, I will give you everything. Like I will, (laughs) I will do that because I enjoy it. And then that's the only way I'm going to get all of you and get all of, you know, the most potent juicy experience from this. Um, But then I'm also detached because I already did that. I didn't, (laughs) you know what I mean? Yeah. But maybe the idea that love isn't transactional and like, just kind of be conditioning yourself to this idea that like, oh, if I give everything, I deserve something back. Or if I give everything, like I'm at a loss, but just being like, I'm contributing, contributing to the vibration of love and I can leave at any time. You know what I mean? That's how I feel. Like, I'm like, I'm contributing to a freaking hype situation. And if I see red flags, I can just dip and transfer it elsewhere. I don't know. Period. Yes. Yes. (laughs) I just got so hyped. I was like, yeah. Yes. literally I agree with every single thing you said every single thing you said and like I I was in one real relationship before the relationship that I'm in now and I thought I was in love with that person but I think I that wasn't exactly love I think that was like um it was the first time I ever like felt love and now that I'm with my person now, the current mm-hmm. partner, I'm like, I don't know if that was exactly what I thought it was. Anyway, but at some point, that's a <laughs> great feeling. Like you're moving forward, you know? Yeah, like, oh, that was weird that I respond to it. But all right, so with my current, right before my current partner, I was talking to someone who was a repeat, a similar energy that I had with my previous partner, where I felt like I was like trying to win over their approval. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, I like found out that there's like the possibility that I might have cancer at the same time. And mm-hmm. like, so I went through that and then had like, I was in that weird situationship thing. And I was like, mm-hmm. whoa this is taking too much of like my emotional space. I'm not going to talk to this person anymore because like I might be leaving the planet soon. So like, I don't want to, you know, do that. And then that space that I like allowed made me really realize that like anyone could be my soulmate. Like I'm like, it really doesn't matter who the person is. It just matters how I feel which like sounds selfish, but like, I'm like, I could fall in love with anybody. I'm like literally any person I could fall in love with them. And so I was like, oh, so don't fall in love with people who hurt your feelings. <laughs> and so then I decided that I wasn't gonna do that anymore. Then I met my partner and we were having a great time. And then the lion's gate. So it was like August 8th or something like that. Uh, 2020, was it that? Oh my God, okay. 
<laughs> um, on that date, I was doing this like weird, cause like every day can like change my energy towards my partner. So on that day specifically, I was like, he's not showing me enough love. I'm not getting enough love back. And I'm getting all this love. And then something like grows up in me. It was like my other version of myself was like, you're going to cut off your love because you feel like you're not getting enough back. Are you insane? And I was like, whoa, hold on. Who's talking first of all. But then like I started listening to that voice and it's like, you think you can run out of love to give? Do you understand that the only reason you're experiencing the sensation of love is because you're deciding to love that person? Like it's literally has nothing to do with them. You're just deciding that you want to feel love for them. And you're about to stop yourself from feeling that because you're being prideful. And I was like, oh, whoops. <laughs> Great. And so from that day, I was like, I'm going to pour all the love that I physically can. I, every time I think about it, I'm going to cry because I'm like, I literally, I'm like oh, every single particle of my body that can feel love, I'm going to aim it at you because I can aim it anywhere, but you're my partner. So I'm just going to like pour it all into you. And it, it never ends. So I can keep doing that. Even if you don't give it back, I don't need you to give it back. But of course, because I didn't need him to give it back. Of course he gives it back every single day. And so like from that lion's gate on, I was like, oh, relationships only work if I decide that they should work. Like mm -hmm. love only works if I decide that I want to feel love and release love out of my body. So absolutely. That's how I feel about that. This, um, do you know Moji, M-O-J-I? He's like that speaker. Yeah. Okay, he's amazing. He has this video that I like, every time I see it, I just like repost it where he says, he says, if I have a loaf of bread and I give you half, I only have half left. If I have a dollar and I give you 50 cents, I only have 50 cents left. And then he like closes his eyes and like touches his chest and he's like, but if I give you all of my love, <laughs> I will have all of my love left. And then he like puts his thumbs up and he's like, wonderful. <laughs> and I just that's exactly that is like, I think love, it's an invisible energy. So it doesn't you know, it doesn't fall by the rules of tangible reality. It's not the same as cutting a cake in half and being like, oh no, I, I gave away half the cake. You know what I mean? It's like, love is not measured. The It's not, can't be measured or scaled, you know, but we, we think that it can be because, you know, we're so in our physical, right. You know, we think it's like a cake, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it's, um, like you said, you flow it out, you get it back and, you know, open yeah. up the channels. <laughs> yeah. Just open them up, pour it all, pour it on out because like, I feel like pouring it all out is, is like you letting yourself know like, oh, I can pour all of this out because I know that like it has to still be there. And then it, because you know it has to be there, it is there. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I love the state portal. Like I just love the concept of it. And I think it is a very real thing. Like I, like shit goes down in the beginning of August. Like no, <laughs> that was <laughs> so wild. That was so <laughs> wild for me. Cause it like, not only that, but like, it made me realize that I was doing that with other things that I was like closing off my energy towards other things because I, other things, because I thought there was that scarcity was real. And then like the big, like once I realized that like love scarcity is a fake concept, then I was like, how many other things are not actually scarce that we think are scarce. And so that like started me on another hole spiral but cool let's see there was another love one so while we're on the topic of love we're going to talk about this next question that says can you talk about accepting yourself sexually and being authentic and dropping performative sex habits Ooh. okay <laughs> so my first instinct with this is that sex is performative to an extent right i think even if you look at certain animals like there's certain animals that literally turn on a performance to attract a mate. Like, I think it's very, I don't think it's unnatural that sex can feel performative. I think it's unnatural that we kind of take these sort of innate, almost like primal impulses and put them in like what I call the infinity mirror and use them for, you know, corporate interest and making people feel bad and just like kind of like overdoing it. Um, but I also feel, and this is something I've kind of learned recently because I realized that as I was more choosy with my sexual partners and also got older and people were kind of just better sexually that like sex gets better the older you get. And I was like, why is that? And I think it's like when you have sex with people who aren't that conditioned in the sense that maybe they're not, when they think of sex, they don't think of porn, for example, they don't think of porn. They don't think of, you know, the most common image of what sexuality is, which is this very kind of, you know, we all know the specific image, right? The, the way that they se they sell sex to us. If you meet someone who's just very like, enjoys sex for what it is, knows that it'll be different with each person. What sex becomes is I think an expression, like almost a medium, medium of expression 
for what you're going through, what they're going through and what you're going through together. And I notice, like when you're first having sex with a new person, when it's honest, it feels like a trust exercise. Mm. And when it's dishonest or maybe either a trust exercise or kind of like a, was it like a peacocking? Like, look how amazing I am. Right. 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 <laughs> Those are expressions, right? It like depends on where you at and you can kind of tell where people are at when they're being authentic in that way. And I think, you know, it takes two and it takes an authentic partner as well. Um, but just, I think approaching sex is not like aware of the performativeness and knowing that you can tap into the performativeness. Like I love tapping into the performativeness, you know, these specific symbols of what sexuality is or what it sounds like. I'm so fine with like using those triggers to enhance the experience. And, but knowing that that's what that is and that that exists just as much as sort of this like, like high art, like ethereal medium, I guess, you know? But I think it's okay to have both. And I think it's important to be with someone that is aware of both because you don't want someone who's all the way on one end, you know, watches tons of porn, thinks it should be a certain way, thinks your body should look a certain way, you know? Um, but then also like open to the fact that these triggers and these symbols do exist and we've all been raised with them and like tapping into them can sometimes be like pretty hot and fun, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, I think that and detachment always, right? Detachment from the whole thing and just picking and choosing, you know, what what you enjoy and, you know, being choosy with partners, I think, <laughs> definitely. I love that. Question. I don't think people talk about sex now. <laughs> uh, not, not as much, not as much. Yeah. But yeah, I 100% agree with like, like kind of accepting the performance parts of it but I would say like where are you performing for like performing from are you performing to like win the sex or are you performing to enjoy yourself That's really cool. and I feel like when you're performing to enjoy yourself um and like create art that you would enjoy during the sex process then mm -hmm. both partners are getting to enjoy it but if you're like performing to win at sex you're not gonna be having a good time and you don't even know if the other person's having a good time like you can't yeah. even really tell so you invented the fact that whatever performance you're doing is the right performance right yeah because <laughs> yeah. then like they might be performing because everything's a mirror so it could be you're performing to impress them and they're like well i have to perform to impress you back but like if you perform to enjoy your enjoy yourself then at least you're enjoying yourself and the chances of the fact that like they might be enjoying themselves be probably a bit higher because of the whole mirror reality thing and then accepting your sexuality I feel like acceptance if you're having a hard time accepting an aspect of yourself find someone who you see as a mirror and accept a part of them more and more and like see how many people that you can be accepting of and that allows you to be more accepting of yourself because I know that sometimes like people will talk about like self-acceptance and self-love and it's really hard for some people but it can be easier for you to love and accept others so I'm like expand that love and acceptance that you have for other people's sexuality mm -hmm. and then be like wait hold on is there a difference between me and them no mm -hmm. and then that starts to like let your subconscious know that like you're actually kind of cool with certain aspects of your sexuality I feel like there's this certain language we talk about sex we're like oh some people are kinky and some people aren't some people are nasty some people aren't and like you know I think that's also really damaging because I think sex is so vast if you decondition from all of that and you stop asking yourself like oh am I good enough am I freaky enough am I, you know and I just I feel like if you leave it wide open and you never define yourself you really end up having really great sex because you can kind of I don't know just emulate anything I don't know you know yeah. like you find yourself taking part in things that I don't know like have like a kink community and you do it like once or twice and you're like oh that was fun like I was in the mood for that then and like you know but you don't there's just like the way that we live in this like binary way. It's like, you're either this or this or this or that when you're ever changing, you know, you can be asexual for like a fucking year that happened to me, you know, and be like, I thought I lost my libido. And then I came back because, you know, but it's just being so letting yourself, you know, be so, um, it just like shape shifty with your sexuality. You never feel you know, like you have to pick an identity, you know? Yeah. I love that. I love that. And speaking of identity, uh, there's this question that someone asked about human design. <laughs> they asked, they want to know about your chart and how you relate to it. But I know how you feel about like things like astrology. Yeah. I think human design to me sounds the coolest, but I have no idea. I tried it once. I went on a website and I just didn't understand it. And then they were trying to sell me like my chart. And I was like, but I would like to get a reading from you, I think. And then I can really figure it out. We yeah. can all, <laughs> I'll, I'll get one of those. 
I want to talk though about things like astrology and human design, because I think that like, even as a human design reader, I come at it in a way that I think a lot of people who are into human design and astrology might not come at it with. Mm. Cause the, the way that I kind of approach these things is that I think, I think everything is a scam, right? Like I think everything is kind of halfway made up. And so when I'm looking at human design and astrology, I see it as like a thing that we can like pour our belief into to give us some form of like structure so that we don't feel like nebulous blobs kind of like, cause we can feel really lost because we're on a planet where like anything can happen. And I feel like that's terrifying, but I think that things like human design specifically is very helpful for me because a lot of people can have, what is it called? analysis paralysis where they're like I don't know if I'm doing the right thing and I theorize that there is no right thing to do but things like human design are like oh okay well like if you feel like you're someone who can connect with your gut follow your gut because that's the thing that's going to be the strongest sense for you to follow or if you're someone who's more connected to like hearing intuitive pings that's going to be a really great guidance system for you to use and so like the more that you believe that that is your way of making decisions then you're going to feel better about the decisions you make and then you're going to make better decisions because you feel better about your decision making and so that's how i use human design i believe it's real and not real at the same time and i feel like if someone who like doesn't believe in human design finds a system it's not going to work for them at all like whatsoever but i believe in like the path of least resistance all the time which is why i think that like someone like me became a human design reader is because like there are a lot of people who are in the system who are like very different than like my personality and i think that there are people who are like me who wanted to have access to some sort of modality and so reality was like i'm going to make you a reader so that like these people can find you and then relate to the system because they relate to you for some reason and that activates this like possibility for them to like follow a particular guideline that feels right to them but i don't like dogmatic things i like when people say like you can't do this because you're this type of person i'm like no you, you probably can if it feels good like you could, yeah. you could do that now if it doesn't feel good don't do it. And what's great is that like people wouldn't book a reading with me if they weren't already kind of open to that type of information. And so their openness is half of the work. That's, Mm -hmm. that's half of it. And the fact that they're paying me for a reading, like opens up a portal for them to be able to use this system that can help guide them. But yeah, that's like how I view modalities and like divination and things like things like that. Yeah, I would love to see my human design because it was like, it's fairly new to me. And I just love, I don't know. I just like, it just appeals to me like symbolically, you know what I mean? Because astrology for me, it's like, it's done. It's like this, the symbolic way that um, it's being represented. It just doesn't click for me anymore. You know, it's like too consumer or whatever, but like human design, it's just like the word design, yes. <laughs> you know, that's yes. nice. And I'm like, yeah, <laughs> that's the only word we should be using. <laughs> um definitely I'm very interested I think I think just like as you said it's like you know for me when something either because I get too obsessed with it or I feel like other people are getting too obsessed with it when it transcends like what you're saying is just like so nice to hear because that's how I feel it's like it's a symbol you get open to the symbol that's your symbol that's your vessel to get to a certain form of introspection or thought Yes. Once, you know, it goes beyond that, which I think astrology has, and it becomes a way to pull in people who haven't even consented to that kind of frame of thought, who don't even have a language with that frame of thought, you know, um, and then it starts to appeal to the ego. And I think that happens. I even think of religion as another form of astrology where it's like religion started with this pure intention to raise vibration, to talk about the soul. And then you get people with egos who want to change, you know, society and and judge. And then the the ego starts coming in and being like, I want to judge things. I want to label things. I want to make sense of the world. Please help me. Right. And then, you know, something like Christianity, which has some really interesting metaphors that are very close to truth, you know, ruining people's lives and taking people's power for no fucking reason. Right. Um, astrology, obviously not that evil, but astrology, I see that happening with astrology when I started going to parties and people would be like, Oh, what's your sign? Oh, now I know who you are. Right. Right. And I was like, that's the ego wanting to uh, define. Yeah. When, you know, and I just, I started to really not like that. So I don't have anything like astrology itself is the study of the stars. That's wonderful. I love, you know, knowing what sign the moon is in. I love hearing those things, but I think just as a, like a, a consumerist society I, or, you know, a meme society, I just don't, I'm not happy with 
how these things end up going and how they end up being used, you know? Yeah. And I, if people were just had the mindset you have, <laughs> I think these things could be <laughs> just a little more uh, helpful and, you know, but I'm very interested in human design. I have not experienced anything of it. I love the way it sounds. I love the way it looks. A little yeah. like shape of a body with like arrows, like bowls. <laughs> <laughs> make me feel like a video game character. That's all I want. <laughs> that's, that's why it appealed to me. I'm like, oh, this is a video game manual. That's lit. Like, this is fantastic. I feel great about this. Cool. <laughs> but I definitely feel like any system can do that, though. Like, I feel like even the concept of like having words, like humans <laughs> have used words to create really hard boundaries around things. Or even like when people say like, I believe in science. Then I'm like, whoa. Yeah. That's one of the, <laughs> I mean, I like the there's like lamest, like stupidest things. <laughs> people are like, I don't believe in spirituality. I believe in science. I'm like, have you, you don't even know the parallels. You don't even know the, the way they intersect and, and ignite each other, you know? Yeah. Everything's, I just like, I don't agree with any campaign. Like, I don't sign. I'm a Virgo. I'm on a, it's just like, bro, like, let's just. <laughs> yeah. But. <laughs> I think it's definitely like the result of like lostness. I think that when we feel so lost, we want to gain control of like others through like making symbols, like mean things about others. And I think it's just like the, like fear, fear does that. Like, like yeah. if, I, I know, if I know your sign, then I know that you're going to do this to me and I'm going to avoid you. This is going to keep me safe if I stay away from these signs or like, because I don't know, like even like gender is a weird like concept in the same way that like all like this gender does this This that's why like I love the fact that like the binary is being destroyed because people are like women do this men do this and I'm like oh well I'm not either of those things so honey like what and it's symbolic like I just feel like the gender conversation is just so symbolic of just the direction that we're going to go to evolve. It's like, we need to stop. There's no binaries. There's absolutely no binaries anywhere. Right. And gender is one of the most, I think, challenging for people because it's so apparent in our society, right? It's like, so, you know, everyone's maintaining it so hard, um, you know, and uh, it's just so interesting. Or even, you know, the autism conversation when, you know, you, we grew up thinking, oh, you're either autistic or you're, you're not. Right. And mm -hmm. I was like, oh, that's a whole binary. I mean, a whole binary whole spectrum, <laughs> you know, where it, that it exists on and you see this on TikTok <laughs> and everything. And I just think the, both the mental illness conversation, I think, and the gender conversation, I think are so valuable mm -hmm. uh, in just breaking open the tangible world. Um, yeah. You know, that's so, it's so spiritual. I don't know. I'm like waiting for it all to freaking, you know, lifetime. Okay. This trips me out and I want to get your vibe on this. Cause it's like video game energy, but I just feel like not only gender is being broken open, but the other thing that comes with, you know, the gender binary being, you know, broken open, whatever is also like the reproductive, like technology changing reproduction mm -hmm. in this don't even need to have sex and you don't even need to consider what like body you have to like have a baby or have the sensation of, of like raising a baby it, like factually the way things are going with technology also with video game um metaphors like the idea of an avatar that can be changed in every way and it doesn't actually really matter what you look like that's just what you want to look at when you're playing the game and how you know if we just freaking get over our attachments to all these things we yeah. could just go into a to a world where like only our spirit matters and the outside is fully customizable, you know. And plastic I surgery, I think of plastic surgery sort of it began as this very taboo thing that you could really tell people had done, and now you can't tell. <laughs> and now it's cheaper and more accessible. And I'm just like, is this where things going? Are we gonna be so detached from the body that it's an art piece that we all can customize? Gender doesn't matter, reproduction doesn't matter. I mean yeah I think about that a lot <laughs> yeah no I think about that too because I, I I might have an article maybe coming out sometime that talks about like AI and it talks about like wait can robots have souls and I'm like that'd be so lit like I can't wait <laughs> for a robot has a soul and like that I don't know I'm I'm very I, I know that like some people get like freaked out by that idea but I'm like we're probably already robots like and we don't even know that we're like 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 a cyborgs like out here yeah. 
acting like we are these like robots i don't know <laughs> we're like oh the flesh is like you know it's better than, than the machines and i'm like we're probably a machine and but anyway no. I, <laughs> I like i think that because I, I always i always want to respect like the temple that i'm in i want to respect mm-hmm. the fact that i like was born into this this vehicle because like I believe that my body has its own consciousness like I think that it's but I think it's a partner that like resonated with my soul and it's like this soul resonates with like this being's soul Mm -hmm. and I feel like if we can I guess release the attachment to our body and like respect it as Mm -hmm. its own like being too that could be very helpful Mm -hmm. for us not to like identify as our body because this is something that helps me with thinking about like physical appearance yes I was able to there's a at some point I don't really know what happened but at some point I kind of like dissociated from my body and I'm like you are an entity and I am inside of you experiencing you so for like me to judge you as like being ugly or like Mm -hmm saying that like you're wrong or something like that like that's me judging somebody else and I don't mm-hmm. want to do that to you I'm just like in here for however long you want to hang out with me and so I feel like we should definitely have conversations with our body before like making certain changes like are you cool with these adjustments like I know that you chose me so like you probably knew that I was gonna be the type of person who'd like make these choices down the line but like let me just check in with you are you cool with this yeah okay fantastic but I definitely have a a level of detachment from my body that I think is very helpful for me yeah and that's something you've been practicing for a while or is it fairly new like the body detachment because for me it's so new it's like I love hearing about it because I I don't know it was only recently that I was like man I'm really fucking I'm attached to my body and I'm when I have health issues I would free I've been had so much terror like body terror of like Mm. you know and I was like I need to fix this and it's only been about I mean almost a year where I've been like okay let's stop like I'm a tool I'm not a liability you know yeah and I think it started with like body image for me a few years ago I still sometimes like health things will like freak me out and then I'll be like oh you're trying to talk to me and like that kind of helps but like I'm baby yeah like you're not trying to ruin my life (laughs) you're not trying to like kill me you're just trying to okay sorry but like I think there's this weird I don't know some like things will just happen and then I'm like oh but there was a point where I like gave up on losing weight and I was just like Mm -hmm. you're good like I don't know you're trying your best I'm just gonna not I, I'm, I'm not doing this anymore and like I lost like a ridiculous amount of weight in a very fast period of time after that and yeah. I was like oh, that's really weird like I don't know what just happened it was like my body was like I don't know we just do stuff when you stop looking at us and I'm like oh okay and I think that I I don't something happened during that time I don't know how to like I don't know how to explain it or like I guess I kind of detached from losing weight maybe is mm-hmm. what happened and then I lost a ton of weight and I'm like, but I don't even care now. Yeah. So yeah, I don't know. Like the intention versus desire, the, uh, a desire and attachment. I mean, have you read, okay. Have you read the seven spiritual laws of success? No. Okay. It's really, that was the first like book that like got me going. Right. And there's a, there's a chapter on, it's like the law of intent, intention and desire, which is like when you really, really want something. And then it's followed with, um, the chapter, the law of detachment. And it's basically just like, it's like what you're saying with the weight thing where it's like you want something. And then if you want it so bad that you're just like pinching yourself and just obsessed with it, you're just out of the realm of attraction. Right. And then once you detach, yeah. the desire is still there just in your body and your subconscious, right. You still wanted to lose that weight, but now you weren't consciously obsessing. Then that's when it arrives. Yeah. That's what I think of is like that little. Yeah. Chapters. Yeah. I believe that too. I really believe that. Perfect. Perfect segue into this question of tips on manifesting a soul aligned body. Someone asked about, so great job. But yeah, yeah, I've done this, like I said before, where I kind of detach from like losing weight, but there's sometimes where I like when I like carve my body to like be Mm -hmm. in a particular shape. But I think the first thing is that like, I look in the mirror in my body and I respect it as a being. And I'm like, Hey, would you be cool with like this vision that I have in my head? Would that be a cool shape for you to take would you enjoy that shape if so that'd be cool and I look in the mirror for a little while and I'm like let's just like be that shape in my mind's eye for a while and then I do that for a couple days and then I go to sleep and I like I don't work out which like sounds kind of weird for people I'm gonna try 
<laughs> but it like allegedly looks like I work out because like people are like, what do you do? And they're like, are you a runner? And I'm like, no, I just stare at myself and I'm like, can you tighten up for a little bit? And then if my body's cool with that, then it'll do it. But there is a level of detachment that I have where I'm like, I don't own this body. I'm like, I don't want to act like it's like, I don't know, like I, I deserve to lose weight. Like, and like, if you want to do that body, cool. Cause this is kind of like the body that I would like to be in. It's very soothing to hear you say that, like the sort of body conversation, you know, like being like, are you cool with that? Like, I just think that's, and because it feels so soothing, I think it's probably the truth, you know, <laughs> you know, but like hearing you like it sort of like say that, I don't know, it's cool. <laughs> soothing. <laughs> yeah. my body. It's cool. Cool. Let's see. Um, I think we're about to wrap up. Let me choose a fun one. We'll do like two more and then. Okay. <laughs> yeah, this is super fun. We love a Q&A format. Yes. I don't know what to say unless people ask me questions. Why are you mad, puppy? <laughs> oh. Let's see. Tips for doing psychedelics with intention. Hmm. I think I did psychedelics without intention. Sorry, hold on. Let me grab her so that she's not yelling. <laughs> the puppy has answers. <laughs> yeah, she's like, I know the answer to this. She's like, I am not. My puppy has not done psychedelics, everyone. Oh my God. What's the name? Hawk. Hawk. So good. Hawk. Yeah, she's crazy. Okay, yes. Psychedelics with intention. Um, the first time I did shrooms... I was like 14. I like walked over to this like guy's house that lived near me with my friend and he had like a vape and we like smoked from the vape. And then he like just gave us shrooms and we ate them. And I went to like a mall and like thought I was going to die and like thought that I was being ch- like there was a street performer that had like literally a vintage puppet and I just saw the puppet turn its head and just look at me. And I was like, I'm dead. And I just I lost my hearing. I just, it got so bad. And then the, <laughs> like, I didn't hear shit. I thought everyone was crazy. And then the second time I also didn't really do it intentionally in the sense that I was like, with like a friend I didn't really trust. Like it was a newer friend. It was like my best friend. And then like this like newer friend that was like, kind of like, like I knew she was not it. Like she just would do little things. I'd be like, why am I insecure now? <laughs> you know? And I was like, oh, you know, I was like, you're kind of, <laughs> you're battling me. Um, mm-hmm. But I just kind of, you know, I accepted her for too long and we did it with her. And that was also me not being intentional. And I feel like I had such beautiful shroom experiences. I did the most beautiful one uh, was in, I think, February of 2019. And what's so amazing about it was I was fresh out of the worst breakup of my life. I was super suicidal. I was so depressed. I was watching Keeping Up with the Kardashians every day in my bed and sleeping like 16 hours. And, um, but I, something was telling me to do shrooms and to do a heroic dose, right? Like I was like over five grams. Um, and the way that I did it was I went up to my friend's house who was deeply in nature. Um, it was shrooms that like her friend had grown, but I remember just telling everyone and I was with people that I was so close with. And I remember telling them, I was like, I just got out of breakup. It's very possible. I'm gonna have a bad trip. And I was like, just know that I know that and know that I can handle it. And then just like put me to bed and like put a movie on or something, you know? (laughs) And so I, that's what I said. I also wrote down intentions beforehand. Like I literally journaled beforehand and was like, I'm so fucked up over this guy, but I just want to like, I just want to have fun. Right. And then another thing we did that I love doing um, before anything, I, I consider Molly psychedelic. I've done rituals with Molly and just felt that it just really does something else. Um, and I still haven't done acid, by the way. Never. It just hasn't come into my world yet. Yeah, I'm waiting. <laughs> Not waiting. I'm expecting. Um, but uh, I've done tons of shrooms, tons of Molly. And with both of those, when I started to be more of an intentional person, we would make an altar like in the beginning. And just have like a place in the house and in the space where we just kind of put our intentions out there, you know, like I put a lot of, you know, symbols of love and balance when I was doing the the big amount of shrooms post breakup, I had a really intense, um, like Molly ritual that we did. And it, for me, it was all about career stuff. And I put this all on the altar and both, I just got so much out of it. So much out of those trips that I lead with like an altar and a vision and also, communication with who you're doing it with. I think that's really important to me is just being like, what are you going through? What are you going through? What could come up for us? Are you ready to support me through that? (laughs) You know, you know, what do you need? How do you, what do you need when you get kind of bad trippy, you know? So for me, I would say just to sum it up, 
communicate with who you're doing it with, like really communicate, even with yourself, if you're alone, just be like, like you said, almost like it keeps coming back to the death practice thing. It's like, imagine what will happen if it goes really bad. How are you going to handle that? Just have that in your memory. So you have like a map. Um, and a second, I would say, yeah, journal, have an altar and just treat it like, treat it like you're entering, like you're a guest in someone's house. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. you know, like be polite, bring an offering, you know, have a purpose. I think that's definitely, yeah, that's <laughs> definitely how I feel. I love that. I think that's beautiful, especially you saying that you're like, you're entering someone else's house. Cause I feel like shrooms are very, this like wise grumpy old man. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, so much. Yeah. yeah. Uh, like, I yeah I said I think every time I set intentions it's a very light thing like I like will lightly mm-hmm. be like it'll be nice to experience something like this and mm-hmm. I said it very nice like very lightly but I think just the act of setting an intention is sufficient like really? just don't just don't not set an intention but I feel mm-hmm. that way about everything hey puppy where'd you go oh you're so small <laughs> here Okay, well, don't. Okay. But yeah, like with, with everything. Solange said in this song, do everything with an intention. And like, I just I hear that all the time ringing through my head. Like, because I see us as like gods on this planet, and everything, every single action that we take is so big. Um, like, like, it's all meaningless, but at the same time, like, it's meaningless because we're the ones who like put meaning into things. And mm-hmm. so, intention is like, you're doing a big thing every time you do everything. So you don't really, like the intention doesn't even have to be like this big, huge thing for me. I'm just like, just aim in a direction and then you'll be good. But aim, don't not aim. Mm, aim. (laughs) Because aiming too is like, I don't know, the word aim to me feels so much more natural because there is a way to, I feel like intention, it's like, you shouldn't cling to a result, right? You shouldn't be like, please give me this experience, you know? And like you said, it is more of that kind of detached language of being like, I would really love to see this, but if you want to give me this, you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. You know, yeah. I trust you basically. Like yes, exactly. I think that <laughs> open energy gives is it's space for trust. Oh. But yes. So the last question I think is really great. Okay, I'm putting you down again because you're getting real real feisty and real crazy. <laughs> All right. So what are your favorite speaking of aiming? <laughs> sorry. What are your favorite things to give energy to, envision or look towards? Mm, I really love, I, I think because I have an art background, I'm a very, very like visual manifester. And I'm also like, I love spaces. Like I love homes and properties. And I think, I think that's a big one for me is like when I just have one of those like visual meditations alone, I always just imagine these like open spaces. And I love like being like interior designy and kind of having that be a symbol of like where I want to be in life, you know, because you can really... I don't know it can be such a good metaphor for like what you want your life to be like, like how you're living, what lifestyle you want is like in a house, you know, um, that's a big one. I love putting energy into that. I'm also like money is very interesting to me. I think money is one of those places where, uh, the ether and the earth really fucking like battle it out more than anything. Um, and so I feel like I take part in like money manifestation and like, giving energy to money almost like for sport kind of yeah. <laughs> you know yeah um because I didn't grow up in like a monetary family I grew up in a low-income family and so money was never it was always something to be like feared it was something that was scary and a liability and could you know fuck us over at any moment and so for me it's like money I don't have I like never had it. So now it's kind of this playful thing of like, well, if I get it, you know, it's kind of exciting and cute. And like, you know, what if I can buy my mom a house, <laughs> you know, but I'm not attached to it because I never had it, you know? So for me, money is kind of this playful. I do like to play around and like, what is money? Money has an energy da, da, da. like, I, I get very entertained by that. What yeah. about you? <laughs> yeah. It's just, it's realizing that money is energy was like the wildest thing for me. And I like, <laughs> I refuse to believe for so long. I'm like, there's no, 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 yeah. no, it's too real to be energy. No. And then last year, literally, I don't think I've ever said this like publicly before, but last year there was a point, like probably around this time last year that I think I had like only $5 in my account. Right. And I was just like, well, I don't have anything. So I might as well like try to believe the whole money is energy thing. 
that's that's started for me too yeah yeah and then like two days later I had like 500 more dollars and I'm like that's weird (laughs) and then like it snowballed like it was wild after that like it started piling up and I'm like what is happening what is happening right now and I freaked out and like I started making less money because I was just like this this is this can't be right like this doesn't make sense it can't be energy and then I was like oh we're we're not energy okay so we're not energy and then like (laughs) started kind of shutting off and I'm like wait no no no, you are energy you're energy it's fine and then it started coming right back and I'm like this is this is this is insane like this is because people are like slaves to this Mm-hmm. And I'm like, literally, if we just acknowledge that this is visceral, non-existent particle thing, like mm-hmm. so many people could free themselves. And but anyway, no, so, I feel yeah. like it's hard. I think that's something that's so hard to talk about because it's so anytime I never talk about um, like money and energy stuff. I only do that on my Patreon because if you do it publicly, people get very upset and triggered. And I understand because I used to too. I was, you know, once that person that was like, oh, you're gonna tell me money is energy while I work my retail job. You know, I was like, that's really nice. (laughs) Nice You know, but then you actually take part in it and you're like, okay, this is true. I understand why people get triggered by it, but I definitely, that's something that I think is a really hot button for people when it's kind of a cheat code like your thing is no. called <laughs> that's a cheat code yeah. um, but <laughs> I, um, I pour my energy into beauty fun and indulgence I but I think that I think that we live in a like a very purist or like post purist society and so like I feel like people make indulgence this like terrible horrible thing like the whole like hating the Kardashians thing I mean I understand where people are coming from with it but then like I'm like some of the reasons people like say they hate them I'm like can you hear yourself saying like why you hate this person you you said you hate them because of how indulgent they are that's very interesting to me so I'm aiming my energy at like luxury and indulgence because like I feel like why do like I just don't want that to be a bad thing and then I aim it at beauty because I, I'm very art driven very visually driven I love beautiful things I like aiming it that way and then at fun because my whole life my parents told me that like life isn't about fun and so I am rebellious and I would like to undo that spell that they placed on my life when I was a child so yes yeah, yeah I'm like it's fun it's for fun it's for fun I know you said it's not for fun but it is for fun so yeah. <laughs> No, totally. I think a lot of, yeah, even the money thing, just like growing up in like a a sort of fear-based kind of like freaked out family. It's like, you just kind of want to like, you want to change that so bad. Mission, I think. Like, I'm grateful for that upbringing because it's like, it just makes you so excited. And I don't know, like you said, make life fun. Let's be luxurious. Let's like laugh about it. Like, let's really (laughs) do because wow, you know. Cause it was like such a big deal, like with my yeah. parents and it like made things so intense, like the money thing and the fact that like it can be undone so easily. And mm-hmm. I am saying easily on purpose. I know it's going to piss people off, but I'm saying easily <laughs> because like there are people who can hear me say that and be like, oh, wait, it can be done easily. And yup, it sure can. If you don't feel like it can right now for you, it cannot. And that's totally fine. You'd like... Yeah just blank out what I said in your brain. But the fact that we took this thing so seriously and we, yeah. co- we had so much pain in our family that was caused from that. But, but yeah. You know interesting too. I, this is something I want to hear what you have to say, because I think for me, I find it so important to talk about that past because it helps me talk to people who, like, for example, like people always think I'm so privileged or like trust fundy because they go to my Instagram and I'm at a point right now where I'm like, pretty good. You know what I mean? Like, and that's never happened to me before. And I always just want to be like, you guys, like I was on social security. My family is still on social security. Like I can prove that because the only reason I want to say that is because I want people to realize that, you know, like we're saying, like the money is energy thing is real. You know what I mean? Because it's like, if I started from nothing and came here just with those mindset practices, but then at the same time, I don't want to keep telling that story over and over again, because part of being a vibration is no longer being in that old vibration. Right. And so I'm always kind of stuck. And I'm at this point now where I'm like, okay, if someone wants to tell me I'm a trust fund kid, maybe I'll just say yes, because I want yeah. <laughs> to be free. I want to be that free <laughs> monetarily. Yeah. yeah. And I, I think about that though, too, like how people want us to like 
reveal our trauma to them is very interesting. And like, I think that sometimes like people needing to be relatable or like try to relate with everyone can kind of like keep them kind of stuck. Cause they're like, mm-hmm. I don't want to be unreachable or like not understood. But then uh, to me, the heroes that I looked at, they had to be unreachable. Like I couldn't, I didn't mm-hmm. want to relate to them because I don't want, like, I don't, that's kind of like, I'm someone who doesn't watch a lot of realistic television or movies. Cause I'm like, why would I do that? Like, I'm already here. I don't want to, yeah. I'm looking at fantasy shit. I'm looking at like these very wild ass, distant ass things because I'm like, I want to expand past anything that makes any sense. I don't want to make sense. And so I, I think it's very interesting, like the need to be relatable. And I'm trying to like di- dial that down in myself. And I, I don't have to make sense to everybody. I don't need to be relatable to everybody, you know? Yeah which can make people feel kind of like that's inaccessible. But if I stay accessible, then that means I'm accessible. And that means I'm like not allowing myself to like go where I want to go. I want to have a wild ass experience. So. And it's like other people's responsibility. They need to discover how vast the world is. You know what I mean? They need to discover that like, you know, it's just, you know, that you can look at somebody and take what they're giving and not have to have this whole explanation of why it's true. You know what I mean? And just be like, I want that. Like, yeah. No. <laughs> you yeah. Know? yeah. Yeah. And I guess like there are ways that I, that like even both of us, I think are still relatable, but it's like, maybe we don't have to relate to other people through trauma all the time. Exactly. Yeah. Or revealing like family, like income. <laughs> I don't know. You know, it's like right. certain things. But- <laughs> That's all. Thanks yeah. for being on. I know that you have a Patreon. I know that you sell sweet merch and things like that. So if you could please talk about that, that'd be oh, awesome. Yeah. Thank you for the opportunity to do so. Um, merch, we're doing a new merch drop pretty soon. Right now it's in the beta phase, but if you want to check out what we have now, it's always in my bio, but it's um, sunshineshop.la slash Saiswoon. And that's all the merch that I've always had, um, but we are going to have some new stuff in a couple of weeks, which I'm really excited for. Um, I also run a Patreon where there's a couple tiers. The first tier, $3.33, because we love 333, um, is just access to a private Tumblr, password protected, where I just post extra content. Um, you know, if you're on that Tumblr, you saw my boyfriend before anyone else did, <laughs> that kind of vibe. Um, and then there's a higher tier where I do monthly solo podcasts where uh, I just talk about a topic for like an hour and a half. Um, and it's also Patreon's kind of the only place where I have direct communication with people and that is pretty much that (laughs) yeah all right well that's all i don't know how to wrap it up thank you so much for inviting me to this and i'm just really excited to like be following you and i don't know you know it's like that feeling every once in a while i think it happens to me like once a year where i see someone online i'm like oh i'm excited okay i'm still gonna be on instagram like (laughs) there's there's people here i want to look at um so it's really cool that uh yeah thanks for for having me All right, this is my little PS for the end of the podcast. First thing I will say, one-on-one timeline jumping sessions with me can be booked through my website. It is the whole timeline jumping meditation thing customized for whoever I'm speaking to because I pretty much channel the void, which sounds so weird for me to say, but channel the void during the session and kind of speak to your current timeline to help dissolve it. Then I also offer the audio meditation that's about 20 minutes long that you can timeline jump with along with I offer I also offer a booklet if you're more into like reading words and things. Yeah, those are the current offers I have along with human design readings. I now only do 40 minute sessions because one hour was just a little too much. Okay, so those questions that I had about human design. The first question was asking, how would I explain human design to a kid? And what I would say to a kid, first of all, I talk to kids like I talk to adults. And (laughs) so what I would say is human design is a system that can show both you and your parents the ways that you are unique so that people don't try to contort you into their way of being. If you resonate with any of the things that your chart says, let your parents know that these certain aspects of yourself are true about you and that you don't want them to 
change you in these particular ways. That's what I would say, because I think kids don't I I feel like kids kind of already know who they are and then they get conditioned to not be who they are. I feel like human design is for parents to make sure that their kid isn't getting conditioned. And then kids can use human design to be like, hey, mom, I'm a manifesting generator. I need you to like back up off me, please. Thank you. It also depends on the age of the child. But I would just find a few keywords from their chart that they resonate with so that they can let you know when you are crossing a boundary or conditioning them in any way. The other question was from a projector mom who they've learned how to do the whole wait for the invitation thing, but they have a child who seems to have a lot of invitations. And I would say delegation is going to be your friend. If you don't have the ability to delegate to someone else, to someone else, certain tasks, ask reality to give you a bit of assistance in small ways. It can be from friends popping up out of nowhere, family members being able to volunteer their time for you. Then eventually, the more and more you are open to receiving assistance from reality, then maybe one day you could hire someone to help to assist. But for projectors, delegation is your best friend. Y'all are not here to be doing all this laborious type stuff all the time. Although some of you all have more energy. You have a click. Some projectors have motor centers turned on in their chart. And so they they might have more energy than another projector. But delegation still going to be fantastic for you. Yeah. Give somebody gets more hands, raise your kid with the village, you know, 